Hi everyone, this is Bob again, reporting from GDC in San Francisco. Today's episode features an interview I did at GDC with Naveed Kansari from Ink Stories, the developer of 1979 Revolution Black Friday. 1979 Revolution was History Respawn's Game of the Year last year, and I got an opportunity to ask Naveed how Ink Stories went about conducting historical research for this game, and also how they managed to balance the competing political visions of the Iranian Revolution. Naveed also shared some of his future plans for 1979 and other history games more generally. With that, here's the interview. All right, so Naveed, welcome yep. to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, yes, yeah, so 1979 has received a lot of praise. You know, it's been up for awards. It's up for an IGF award tonight. Good luck on that. Thank you. Uh, it's won the prestigious History Respawn Game of the Year award. Thank you very uh, much. And I'm just wondering, you know, what has that experience been like to work on something for so long, to work on this project for so long, and have it so well received? I mean, it's 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 incredible. It's humbling. Um, it makes me proud of not just obviously my efforts, but of the team's efforts. Um, and more than anything else, I think it's uh, incredibly um, an incredibly rewarding experience because so many of the people involved with the game could not even put their name on the game because of possible impact it could have for their families living right. within Iran. So for them to have that internal sense of joy that they're affiliated to something that's actually done well, that the sacrifices that they made actually has paid off, I think that for me is the greatest reward of all of them. Great, yeah. So uh, speaking as a historian, I think my favorite part of 1979 is the inclusion of all the archival material. I mean, you've got uh, audio material, radio programs, uh, speeches made at the time. Uh, you've got home and family movies. Uh, you've got also a lot of graffiti images, archival uh, photographs from that time period. And I was wondering if you could give us a sense of what that process was like to collect all that material and if you ever ran into any difficulty using that material. Absolutely. So, I mean, for us, we knew the challenge of making what we're now terming in the genre as a verite game mm -hmm. was that um, we wanted to make sure that the that it was a game that was entertaining, but that it was steeped in history, mm -hmm. but not on a macro level of what history was about. You know, we, we, we all have like the, these are the dates that these particular leaders did The textbook this. history. Exactly. And I didn't want to focus on that. We wanted to focus on the personal experience because we felt like that's really what's going to resonate with people is that personal story. But we can build that world of history around it by bringing in real world elements like photographs, like the audio recordings, like the home movies. And when people could see that we were actually basing the animation and the game on the photos, rather than just kind of putting it in as like a nice way of kind of giving an homage to the right. real world, I think it just, it just transcended the experience to a whole new level. So those were key for us. And whereas, you know, most game developers will have like a team that's dedicated towards like doing some research and then you use like the specific kind of guns as a reference for the guns that you want sure. to kind of make. We had actually an extremely robust team dedicated to just research. Uh, you know, we did over 40 plus interviews and it was the common themes of, of, of where people had issues 
during their times in the revolution that wind up becoming the key moments of where we're going wow. to create branching. Yeah. Like it kind of floated to the top. So, um, you know, getting the material was key. It helped form the narrative to a certain degree. But we also had issues with, like, some of the, the, the family pictures were, were donated to us anonymously. Anonymously, anonymously yeah. You know, we, we reached out via Facebook and so forth to try to get people to kind of give it to us. People were genuinely scared and concerned about the, you know, the, the impact it could have. Uh, I mean, the game got banned in Iran, you know, two weeks after sure. the release. I've been written up as a spy, which is kind of crazy because if you actually take a look at what we created, I feel it's the most historically accurate portrayal of what took place. It's not on the Islamic uh, side. It's very you know, judicious yeah. in its approach, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's not, you know, and, 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 it, and I had initial problems when it came to kind of getting the, the financing. I thought, oh, this is going to be a slam dunk. I'll go to the the Iranian diaspora and get them. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, why are you bringing this up? Let's mm. bury this. And, and the Islamic fundamentalists were so, so wrong. But if you take a look at it, there's legitimacy in every revolution, right? Right. People come together with differences and they come together to try to make a change. And that change might be like, we want to overthrow that dictator or that leader. It's the aftermath of the revolution that is actually the part which gets totally like, ripped apart ugly and, and, and yeah, yeah confusing and, yeah, yeah. And, and and it's and, and it's the leadership that kind of rises to the top yeah. in that confusion that then somehow rewrites the history of why the revolution was started right you know right. and that's that's absolutely inaccurate yeah and you know it's you see that with all revolutions absolutely. not just the iranian revolution i mean right now we're in the midst of remembering the original russian revolution which you know of course at the beginning wasn't necessarily going to end with the bolsheviks on top it took a couple of years for that to actually absolutely. happen so and we're still debating that as historians so i'm sure the iranian revolution is going to be no different absolutely forward. i mean i would take a look i was taking a look at the uh, Oliver Stone, uh, uh, is it a trilogy? The, the, uh, uh, Oliver Stone's history. Yeah. Have you seen uh, these? What is it? The Untold History. Yeah. Or it was something yeah. on Showtime. Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. And so, it was, I, and I was looking at that, and even myself, who like, you know, I was a history uh, student in college, and um, you know, I, I really love history in general, I mean, not just because of 1979. It was just something sure. of interest, a uh, massive interest to me. And I've always, you know, hear people talk about World War Two, like, you know, America saved your, you know, America saved your, right. your asses and stuff like that. And then you start seeing the numbers that come through through, through his, his one documentary that the Russians, uh, in fact, uh, were not only pivotal, mm -hmm. but like the number of losses, the numbers, oh, the numbers, yeah. uh, the battle for Stalingrad, yeah. uh, Russians yeah. lost as many people as the U.S. did in the entire war. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think Russian losses were, I think, 20 to 25 million yeah. in the war. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and, I, and so I think that, you know, to kind of bring this back around in a weird way to 79 is like one of the major reasons we, I wanted to make this game wasn't because I love making, I love making games and I love playing games. And uh, I grew up in Iran and, and I wanted to tell the history and I wanted to do something new. I wanted to create games based on real events. But was that nowadays, I mean, if you take a look at our news feeds on Facebook, if you take a look at how quickly we're getting stuff, we're, we're, forget history, we're forgetting what happened last week. Absolutely. And the injustices that are taking place. So the ability to use a game to put somebody in the shoes of somebody who experienced it, that actually has a longer kind of burn and it has that water cooler conversation that might take place two weeks later and if we take a look at games it could still stay on the market and the threads of conversations kind of continue yeah yeah well that's the hope and that's the assumption of history respawn too exactly. is that this is going to be a way for historians and others to tell historical stories that will actually 
stick, have resonance. And, and we need it yeah. because we're obviously making continually the same mistakes over and over yeah. and over again. Yeah, well, oh. yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, I wanted to kind of jump back a little bit. You were talking about, you know, how you made an effort to, uh, you know, not portray one side of the revolution, but kind of allow the player to make a decision. And I think, you know, it's one of the most admirable things about the game you know, is the fact that you allow the player to kind of decide, well, are they kind of interested in this communist message? Well, then you can kind of, you know, lean towards that. Are you interested in the clerical message? You can lean towards that. Or are you interested in this older nationalist uh, message from Musadek, you know, going forward? So I'm wondering, how did you manage that balancing act? Because it, it comes across pretty seamlessly in the game, but I know, you know, from a writing standpoint, that must have been pretty difficult. It, it, I think the biggest challenge we had was to make it, make it come across subtly rather than like, this is this guy's right. message and this is that guy's message. But I think it's also very much a reflection of what was taking place in Iran within single families. Mm -hmm. Like in my family, for example, you know, my, my father was a doctor, so he had no interest in politics at all. But I had other members who were very heavily involved in the political climate and the world of, of, of Iran in 78 and then dealt with the repercussions of it in 1980. Right. But we also had on my mom's side, you know, we had people who were very much like pro today, people who believed like in, in real social justice and like, and then we had like, you know, the, the, the crazy cousin who was a communist, you know, and, but always, we always all sat at the same table and the conversations were super enriching. Mm -hmm. um, and my grandparents, you know, my grandmothers both prayed. And I always saw the spirituality in their prayer, not the, the extremism that I see portrayed all the time now. So all of these were like certain elements of, of what I kind of grew up with. And, and the idea was to, to let the personalities and let you kind of see, not say that, not show anything within any of these political parties as being negative, right. but actually what's the flagpole that's drawing people into being a part of it and letting you see which one are you going to actually be attracted to. Right, and that, that must be tough. And I'm sure you've probably gotten a lot of feedback from people who are, you know, either uh, you know, there during the revolution or maybe afterwards and you know, kind of relating their history of the event and maybe being like, oh, well, you know, nitpicking a little bit. I mean, have you oh, gotten much of that? You know, almost all the feedback from Iranians and Iranians across generations, because right. I think it's important to point out that those who are in, in their teens or older had to deal with the revolution and its aftermath in a much different way than somebody like myself who was 10 at the time. Sure. Um, but overwhelmingly, um, I think the personal element of it, I think the elements of uh, the cultural aspects of it, like Gugu, she was like the, the Madonna of, of Iran mm -hmm. during the music scene at that time. I think the etiquette of how to drink tea. So the, the, the conversations with the mother and fathers, or even how they add a little bit of Farsi into their English, which is mm -hmm. what a lot of people who don't live in the country kind of do is they mix it up like right. that. I think that part re resonated with them so much, and I think they, they fell in line with that so much that the political left or right kind of leanings and so forth was something that if they weren't in line with it back then, they, they kind of had that same view going in it. But you've definitely had, I've definitely you know, seen some threads where people like, this is totally inaccurate. I mean, some of the threads are crazy because it's like, this is totally inaccurate women, the, because the women aren't covered up. And oh, then you see conversations sure. like other people be like, yo, dude, in Iran in the 70s, women weren't covered up. And somebody's right. like, oh, this is very, um, this is very pro-Shah or pro-this. And people are going to come up with their own kind of conclusions. I, I know, like, 
within within what I was attempting to do and within my heart that I really went about this as trying to tell the story with somebody who as a 10 year old boy you right. know, and I mean, who's now grown into a man but what I saw then was I wasn't judging it for the politics I was judging it for a, a, a a human movement yeah the people's movement and, and and saw that all the different ranges of it yeah well um you know i think that it, you know that kind of balancing act and you know how seamless it is is really fantastic Thanks. i don't know if there's an award category for that but <laughs> really you nailed it um, thank you so uh, you know with the amount of history with the amount of archival material the amount of interviews all this stuff that you've got in there it seems like this game could very easily turn into something like an edutainment game right something Absolutely. that you'd play in a classroom but wouldn't play for fun and might not have that kind of long-lasting resonance so i'm just wondering you know how did you go about you know deciding how much archival material to put in there and you know when to pull back and what that kind of process was like well, I, mean, I think we, we, had, we had two goals. One was to tell the story with the luxury of being able to tell the story in, now. Yeah. So we, we, that we can actually provide a certain judgment of what is important information and what isn't. So, for example, the Cinema Rex uh, fires. Yes. That was really, really key, but also um, to show that um, eight years later, it was determined that the person that was actually charged with it, the group that was actually uh, said that actually lit the place was not actually the group. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so that those elements were key because I think it showed a, a before and after kind of a right. situation. So we really wanted to, and, we, and obviously we wanted to lay down the foundation of what was taking place for somebody who had no idea. Sure. So we wanted to make it digestible on that front, but also be very specific to these key moments that had a kind of an impact and then also be able to give you uh, a, the lay of the land in terms of different factions and so forth. But I think a big part of it also was that we wanted to make people feel that this was not so far away right? and really relatable. And I think that's where really a big part of the pop culture stuff kind of came in and we started seeping it into the dialogue and and some of the choices, even like when, you know, Bob acts on the roof and he does a little John Travolta <laughs> yeah. kind of dance and puts yeah. it up. like. People know that move. Mm -hmm. They might not have even seen that movie, but they've seen that poster. Like that poster's iconic. Or even like some of the comments about Star Wars. There's, yes. a, there's a Darth. There's a shot in a Darth Vader. That's helmet, a fantastic you know? image. Yeah. You know, and so the, the. I mean, we actually had dialogue all around that, which we had to cut out because we were just oh, getting too. Oh no, really? Yeah, oh. it was the, because they were talking about how. Um, what's the name? That is it, Lord Morkin? Uh, the the guy who was under Darth Vader in the first Star oh, Wars, the guy um, who they just redid all in CG. I'm gonna have to turn in my nerdum card. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, so, the, the, but that Grand guy, Moff talk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That guy looks exactly like the Shah. So yeah. we had like this whole piece oh, written up wow. about like, you know, maybe uh, under the helmet because at that time you'd never you sure. don't know who Darth Vader is. Like, yeah. Maybe under the helmet it's Khomeini, uh, and then they, and this is how they're working together. So we had like all these little riffs, but. You know, to go back to it, it was like the idea was to, 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 to be smart in, in choosing historical pieces that um, show the before and after, uh, focus on kind of lay, the lay of the land and what was really kind of happening in there so that people have an understanding, like basics, if they don't know anything about the scenario. But also bring in like that social, cultural, pop culture kind of element to make it relatable. Right. Because if you go too far down, like, hey, th this is the this is the writings of you know um, Stalin or not Stalin, but you know Lenin, and, and that this is what the communist manifesto right. is like. 
people are just going to shut up, no. you know. But if you see a whole bunch of books and you see, oh, these are the kind of books that people were reading, it makes you think, okay, this is what the students or the intellectuals were being drawn right. towards. Or this was strictly by numbers the type of books that were being read compared to these kind of magazines. Yeah, and I really like how in the game, you know, you give the player the option to read more about whatever they're picking up or they're taking photographs of. So it's not like you're forcing them to digest all this historical material, but it is there in the menus uh, if you want yeah. it, right? So yeah, it kind of points you forward. So. You want to, I wanted to be able to give somebody the, who is a historian or who's interested to have the deep dive, but also recognize that there's going to be younger demographic that just wants to kind of just play through it and get to more of the, their meaty version right. of, of the experience. Right. Well, so, I mean, given the fact that, you know, this game has gotten so much positive feedback, you know, I'd say that, you know, your use of history in this game has really been a success, but I know I'm sure there was a lot of pressure on you to get that history right. And so I'm wondering, you know, what kind of advice would you give to a game developer or anybody else who's looking to use history as a setting uh, for their game? Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, the first thing I would say is research, research, research. I think the second thing I would say is you're not going to make everyone happy, sure. and that's okay. And I think you need to be really, really, really honest to yourself of the story that you're kind of telling and, and recognize that there is no black or white in any story, and that majority of all the experiences and majority of the people live in this shade of gray. Mm -hmm. And I think if you can convey that and, and still be able to take us through the the major historical milestones. If it's then, I think you, you're going to be successful regardless of how people try to attack the credibility of the content that you're doing, uh, because that is more relatable, and then that will actually draw the people to learn about the historical elements. If you try to be, if you try to talk down or you know try to say like, well, this is this this is what you try to lecture yeah, to exactly. people. Yeah. People are not going to. People are actually going to get turned off, and I think we really try to make sure we had that proper balance. We wanted to draw you in to experience something personally and in the process of some of the mechanics like taking pictures, like exploration, be able to discover the world and through that learn something about something you didn't know mm -hmm. but then actually come full circle to realize that actually that's not that different than what you would have done or what's happened in your country maybe 20 years, yeah, other years. revolutions, exactly. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, you know, I hope more people pick up the model that 1979 has laid down. Thank you. Uh, and uh, I got to ask you this. I yep. mean, are there any future plans for expanding 1979? I mean, yep. you, know, you kind of left it on a bit of a cliffhanger there. Yeah, and so yeah. I'm really curious to learn. I mean, are you hoping to pick, it, pick up that thread and carry it forward, or is there another project that you're working well, on? Well, we definitely want to do a continuation in 1979. It was always meant to be a continuation. Right. But the reality was, as, as we put so many of our eggs in the one basket because we knew the challenges that we had, especially like competing in, in, in the, we're not a mobile mobile game, we're not a triple A game, we're kind of like in this interesting area and the content was considered very kind of niche, so, but we knew that if we had the production value that we could get the critical acclaim and live to see another kind of day. Right. Um, so we wanted to, it was always meant to have a, a follow-up to that, which would be um, Reza very much now motivated by emotion. Mm -hmm. to be in the revolution and then starting to, and, and actually rising to the top of uh, and, and, and only then and then coming full circle to what led to his arrest. Right. 
So we wanted to kind of do that because the, if you take a look at uh, the, the history of the Iranian Revolution, majority of those who participated who led the revolution were eventually imprisoned and executed. Mm -hmm. And I think we kind of hinted to that with the interrogation. Sure. Phase, but we'd love well, to I can't tell you go. how many times I killed. Yeah. I got killed during that <laughs> sequence. Yeah. So I think we want to come back to that. And then the other projects that we're doing right and we're actually pitching at GDC is we want to do um, the Weather Underground. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That so, would be fantastic. Yeah. So we've already written it out. We've already contacted um, some of the key principles from the Weather Underground. Wow. We've done uh, some interesting research. Um, I think it, the approach is going to be uh, similar, but also the characters and mo the motivation of how they're getting involved in the story sure. is going to be slightly different. And then the huge divisions between that group, because you've got some who are you know, satisfied with protesting, organizing that, but then some who go into the kind of terrorist route. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then also, it was also a hotbed at the time for members of the Black Panthers, sure, the yeah. women's movement. You know, at the same time, that time of the year, you, have, you got massive uh, anti-war sentiment. The, the rise of LSD, music, all that kind of stuff. So it's just an incredible hotbed. And also, I think, very relevant for now. Absolutely. You know, in my opinion, we need a revolution now more <laughs> than ever. And, in, and not to oppose a president or to oppose a group of people, but in order to kind of regain ownership of uh, the philosophy of what this kind of country is about. And, uh, and so I think that... that that is exactly what that time period was about. It was just trying to get it back to the people. Right. And making decisions that the people want you to kind of make. Right, defeat so, these kind yeah. of existing social structures exactly. and get back to something. As, so, yeah. you know, the tough sell, to be quite honest with you, is trying to get publishers from the AAA world to kind of buy into this because yeah. all they want to do is make, you know, their money. Which is, and I, and, and I understand that, but I also feel like it's... Uh, on a business level, super short-sighted. Sure. Right? Like, we're not saying don't do all these games. We're saying you li don't limit games to just this kind of content. Yeah. You have, uh, you have all this other, like, look at film, look at literature, look at all the different areas they've expanded into. We're only 35 years old since Pong came about. Let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's take it up a notch and open into these. And, and I guarantee you, if you commit to it, you, you big boys will make your money. Yeah. Because there is an audience out there. But if you don't put it in front of them, they're not going to know what to choose other than the stuff that you continue to put on their digital library. Yeah, well, so. good luck with that. Thanks, I really cannot wait to see that project yeah. and more from 1979. Absolutely. All right, Naveed, cool. thank you for your thank time. Thank you very much.